Before we get started on this week's episode, I'm inviting you to join me with a project. A couple of listeners to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast asked if I would devote one episode to an AMA format. That's internet and Reddit talk for ask me anything. So do that. Ask me anything by emailing me at lisa at lisafishersaid.com. Link is in the show notes. There is a C in Fisher. Now let's get started with the usual introduction. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, it's the most interesting convo I've had in a long time. Brian Sanders is a filmmaker who's rocked my world with his social media account. It's called Food Lies. This is the one health podcast you must stop and listen to. You'll get to meet Brian right after this. I've made it no secret that I'm a foodie. I love the foods I prepare. I love putting the fork to my mouth. And I love knowing that the products I eat are non-GMO products that have uh, sustainability. And in this case, it's an Arkansas product. I'm talking about the products with RalstonFamilyFarms.com. Now, you might be listening in California and think, oh, I buy that here at my local fresh market. Or you're in... I don't know, Vermont, and you've eaten it because you got it at your so-and-so store. And it's even available at select Costco stores. But my point is, this rice is making a hit all over the country and now all over the planet because you can buy it in China. That's right. This is being sold to China and it's now being served there. Arkansas rice with an impressive story, 10 generations of farming, Go to their website and read about their sustainability. That alone, very impressive in this climate. We need these types of companies, and Arkansas has it with the best rice you'll ever eat. RalstonFamilyFarms.com She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, when a guy has a website and a moniker and everything about social media, it says food lies, I'm all in. <laughs> so Brian, tell me, how did where did we as a country start um, shouting these food lies? When did, when did things go awry with us? Wow, well, it really started in the 50s, actually. It started in the 50s with President Eisenhower and had, having a heart attack. And a lot of people may know this story about the Ansel Keys stuff. I don't know, a lot of people in my my health space do know this, but I, I can briefly go over it and we'll cover it all in the film. But yeah, Ansel Keys, there was competing ideas back then for what caused heart disease, right? We didn't have it all figured out. We didn't have all the science back then and people were making guesses. We're like, oh, I don't know, fat? Maybe fat's bad. Maybe fat just goes in your arteries and it clogs them. Like if you put bacon grease in a sink, and, you know, it was a reasonable idea if you didn't know what you're talking about or you didn't have the science or you didn't know how the human body worked. Uh, so it turned out to be completely untrue. But there was a competing uh, guy, actually, John Yedkin. So uh, he's interesting because he was from London, I believe. And he had a he thought, hey, everywhere British colonies go, they bring in like vegetable oils and sugar and refined grains and flour and they all get sick. So maybe it's these three 
refined ingredients. And so they had this war and Ansel Keys was saying, oh, you know, it's fat. It's so obvious it's fat. Fat um, and meat were starting to be demonized since earlier, really as early as 1890, 1880. So it's, it's weird to me because animal food has been regarded as the pillar of health for all of history. And then all of a sudden, you know, it starts creeping in. There's this kind of more plant-based movement, which is a whole nother side story. But it, it kind of came to a head in the 1950s when they're trying to figure it out. And they had these assumptions that meat was bad because of, well, religious ideas, some of them, right? So really, there was a seven-country study, it was a six-country study and a seven-country study. And the, the short story is that Ansel Keys took out, he, he looked at 22 countries, but he chose the seven countries that fit his little idea that saturated fat was bad. And so he tried to show that, oh, there's a line and as heart disease goes up, so does saturated fat consumption. But when you add in all the other 22 countries, it doesn't work. So that's where it started. And it, so between 1950 and it, up until 1980, when there, there was a formal dietary guidelines and the food pyramid, that's the time when all the food lies came into effect. How did you get involved in this type of thinking? Like what what per, what was it about it that was just a magnet that you pulled you in? Well, the sad part is I lost both my parents at 30. 30 years old. They um yeah, which is pretty young for yeah. someone to lose both their parents yeah. to these modern chronic diseases that we think are normal. People just think that oh, it's expected for people to get Alzheimer's and cancer and all these other things. Uh, so the, the stuff, you know, the stuff people can easily trace a diet are is like type two diabetes, obesity, all these other things. But what I didn't know is once I started looking into it more is that Alzheimer's and cancer was part of this, right? This is part of this diet and lifestyle related stuff. That's completely preventable that we can do something about. And that's what woke me up. It's like, I don't have to have this happen to me. It's not, I just have these genetics and oh, my family, you know, they both died early. So we're, I'm screwed. That's not how it works, right? People for all of history did not have these things. These are new modern diseases. I love the idea um, called the mismatch diseases. And these are the mismatch between our genes and what they expect and our modern environment. And that's what's causing all of the diseases. Well, so that means we're going to, that, that takes us into epigenetics because I think it was around the 80s, medical schools were still pushing big uh, that um, DNA had everything to do with it. Can't outrun your DNA. And then we started realizing it was the way we express those genes mm -hmm. and it's what we do with them. And so people don't realize, and I know you do, Brian, but the key is in our hands. The government doesn't have the key. Pharma <laughs> does not have the key. And we, we hold the key. And you know what? It's free. That's what shocks me about um, when I'm learning all the time and I, I'm just a student, always learning about something. I've been an intermittent faster now. I, st I will start my fifth year of intermittent fasting, having about a four hour window every day of an eating window. I start that in a couple months. It'll be year five starts in a couple months. Um, and just seeing that any little condition I had was dissipates just by reducing the amount of hours that I release insulin. So then I realized well, that insulin that is being pushed and the metformin that's being sold by your doctor gets them the trip to Cabo and gets you a trip to the funeral home. I mean, I mean, I, I hate to oversimplify it that way, but that's really, that's been my realization 
about what these food lies are. Um, are you familiar with the work of Dr. Jason Fung, the nephrologist? Oh, absolutely. So yeah, doc- I, yeah, up in Toronto, I almost got an interview with him, but it just didn't quite work oh, out when I was up there. Yeah, man, he he he's the father to me of the science of of really lowering insulin mm-hmm. and intermittent fasting, and he is the one who says that our obesity rates we started seeing them where there was no obesity in the fifties, and it was around fifties sixties. He said seventies we started getting TV dinners and really the influx of these processed foods. And now, as you know, by what's on the inside of the grocery store, they're Franken foods. Our body doesn't even recognize them. And so that's, again, we hold the key. And no one wants us to know that. Don't you agree with that? I absolutely do. I've woken up to a lot of things, especially in the last year and a half about how big industry works and the world works and how governments work and big pharma works. So I, I did wake up to a lot of the food stuff, right? So I've been on this journey for eight years and I understood, yes, it's not healthcare, it's sick care. Totally Everyone sick listening care. probably knows that. It's just a big business racket basically. And so I knew that stuff and then I knew the, the food stuff was backwards, food pyramid upside down, all that stuff. But you know, just recently, I just understood more about how the world works. And I, I do think there's a lot of kind of just things going on that aren't really at the, the best interest of the people and that there's a lot of free ways to heal yourself or stay healthy that no one's talking about. And it's becoming pretty obvious and just weird at this point where I mean, in the beginning, I was just like, okay, yeah, they, you know, they're just trying to sell their cereals and they, you know, they're big, you know, everyone's in the pocket of each other and they're going to, the advertisers are paying for the studies and they're paying for the airtime. And then the, the media just keeps pushing the same old stuff because big food is paying them. But then in the last year and a half, when zero people out there, the government officials in charge of health are talking about the free things you could be doing to be healthy, that it could change your immune health. It can change your life. They're it, not saying it. And, and then I'm like, okay. It baffles me. Suspicious. That baffles me. Baff- it's, it's, it's insane. It's absurd. It's like, I'm still, uh, I'm like, what? You can't be real. Like talking to a normal person, I'm like, don't you see what's going on? This is insane. Well, it's funny. The other day I was, um, you know, on my social media and I looked over at my husband. I said, here's what someone said. They said we ought to mandate vitamin D. Um, exercise, da, 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 da. I went through my things and my husband slowly looked. He goes, well, I don't believe in any government ma- mandates. I go, well, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> my point, point was, that's yeah. what, and that's right. And he, and he tempered it with, well, let's go with no government mandates on what we do. And I said, you're right. I said, but why isn't, and I, and this is not a political conversation. Why isn't any leader of the s- state health department, whatever you, each state has one, mm-hmm. we obviously have federal people in federal offices that do this. Why aren't they saying, hey, as an aside, cut the crap out of your food, quit eating sugar, eat more meat, <laughs> you know, all these things. And I thought, oh, because that's not who's getting rich. Oh, who's getting rich are those other people. There's so, no he, benefit. There's no benefit to tell people to go outside and exercise and get sun and vitamin D is free. You don't have to get it from a pill even like it's all these things are free and it all makes sense when you understand that there's bigger agendas than keeping people healthy. I think it's funny when people 
talk about conspiracy theories is I'm like, well, you know what? The biggest conspiracy theory is the government cares about your health. That's the biggest conspiracy oh. ever. <laughs> Can you repeat that? For Say it louder for the people in the back. The government does not care about your health. I mean, are people disappointed by that? Did they really think somebody taught them that remember Ronald Reagan used to, his famous, one of his famous things was the most you know frightening words in the English vocabulary are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You know, he said, they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if people can start thinking about things that way that you do the research and you, you do the work to find out what's best for you. And that may be whatever, whatever you do, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you decide. Okay. Let's talk about your film. And the film is Food Lies, right? Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's your Instagram name. And I'm putting all this um, in the show notes. Anything about you, Brian, because mm-hmm. people need to follow you. You have life-changing information, though very practical. I mean, it's not like you have to have the Harvard PhD for this. You're, you're really talking about basic things. But tell me about Food Lies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's been four years of me making it. It's a long, slow journey, but I mean, this is how long it takes. These stupid vegan films, Game Changers took five years and it had James Cameron and all his millions of dollars behind it. Uh, actually, that's another reason why I started making this film is What the Health, the stupid vegan film that came out about uh, four years ago. Propaganda! <laughs> I mean, I can't even watch it. I can't even oh, watch it. I turned it off the first time. I tried yeah. to watch it four years ago. Then I ended up just sitting down with a couple of friends who eat the way I do. And we all changed our entire health from, you know, just making simple changes to our diet. We forced ourselves to watch it. And that's the day I decided to make this film. So that was four years ago in the summer. I remember it was four years ago in the summer. And so, yeah, we're trying to answer all of those questions, all of those big propaganda lies that the vegan films put out and just what should humans eat? I mean, that's a big question that everyone has, right? Health is so complicated because... Everyone has their own agenda and everyone has and a lot of it's money and a lot of it's even animal rights and stuff, right? So it's not based on health. Most health information people don't realize is coming from either money or animal rights or agendas that have to do with, you know, money, power, whatever, controlling the food system. All of it is not all of it comes from those three. All of it. Groups. hundred percent. 100%. 100%. That's where it all comes from. It, it trickles down. There's a whole web of how it all works, and e- including the these worldwide organizations like the UN and WHO. They're all in cahoots. Eat Lancet. If you've heard of Eat Lancet, it's total bogus. They, they It's like the planetary diet for human health. They want you to eat 14 grams of meat per day, which is the size of, you know, a, a, like your thumbnail. You, it gets you a joke. You can make it to noon. I mean, you know, you have to have this to go. <laughs> the amino acids alone just in meat. It's it's absurd. And then you can see the agendas because it's so absurd. And so the, the film, we break it all down. It's such a hard story to tell because there's so much propaganda out there. There's so many big interests working against this message. The simple message of what we're trying to say is, let's just go back to eating how we did when we were healthy. This is not an insane idea. This is that's not like, oh, we made up this random diet that's, you know, this newfangled thing that I made up or that someone made up. No, we're talking about going back to eat 
like our ancestors did, or even our recent ancestors, even just back to 1900, before we had all the seed oils and then the, oh. and the sugar wasn't everywhere. We, yeah. we were just eating real food. We were eating meat. You, you know, you could look at any table in an American family or around the world. They're eating a big piece of meat, a red meat. This is their centerpiece of their dinner. They're eating the whole animal. They're eating, you know, they're using the bones. They're eating the liver. They're the marrow. Eating, the marrow is so the marrow. valuable. They and then they had some sides. They had some vegetables, whatever they had on the sides. It was fine. It was a it was a good meal. Whatever now, was seasonal. Remember, whatever see, was seasonal. Oh, yeah. Or they fermented. They pickled the products by using actual fermentation and made a live culture for your all the good gut bacteria, which I love we've that. all missed. I love that nuance of it because I'm I'm really into all the fermented foods. And yeah, yes, yeah. it was local seasonal, it was fresh local seasonal. I love that, that yes, you could handle a bunch of, not a bunch, you could handle these vegetables, even though a lot of them have these anti-nutrients that I woke up to in the last few years and realized, hey, I'm not doing myself any favors chugging green smoothies and doing the kale and spinach. Okay, so tell me about that, because now I do love me some leafy greens, and I do see there is a value in that, but but tell me, I've heard you talk yes. a little bit about the anti-nutrients. Well, so anti-nutrients are little known, but you can go on vegan websites and they warn their people about anti-nutrients. Like this is not, I, I uh. love this one vegan site that warns people, you can't overeat spinach and kale and do this year round. That's part of why seasonal eating exists. Oh. Seasonal eating is mm-hmm. so interesting. It's not just because that's what was around and that's what we had. It also gives your body a break from oh, all the certain anti-nutrients. Well, yeah. is it because of like, I'm a thyroid patient. Is it the goitrogenic uh, components Absolutely. of like cruciferous vegetables? That's that part of it. Sense. Absolutely. Thyroid. Yes, sense. exactly. Yeah. Kale is not doing you any favors. Right. And it, it throughout history, you could be fine because we had kale like for a month. Or we didn't even have kale. Like actually all of these cruciferous vegetables all came from one stringy little mustard plant that we kind of engineered <gasps> over the last hundred years. There's some great graphics online. It has this one little mustard plant that had, you know, a few little leaves that probably Leafy provided green. like yeah. 10 calories. And then all of the cruciferous vegetables were based on that. So we didn't even have this stuff until recently. Wow. So, that's fascinating. So where where can then we document because I go to my local farmer's market as much as I can, but mm-hmm. I, I do go to my organic grocery store and get some organic vegetables, but I bet I get, I'm getting them out of season. How do we know what the seasons are? Oh, well, you, I mean, yes, you could look it up and you could know, I mean, you could get an idea what's at the farmer's market and then know you could buy that. You don't have to always buy it there, but at least you know what's in yeah, season by what's right. there. But also- it's not like an imperative rule. It's mainly just don't do it every day all the time type okay. of thing. That, Moderation. That's just not natural. Yeah. Okay. And it's also, I don't want to scare people away from vegetables because I think they're fine. You know, it's just a lot of people just think they're magic and they're, they like have to have them at every meal in large amounts or they, they have to, to do, you know, the kale and spinach shakes, which I did, you know, I bought into this whole thing. It's like, I got to get all this stuff. And that's just an oxalate nightmare. So mm-hmm. oxalates are why people get kidney stones. And that's why right. a lot of vegans get kidney stones is because of the oxalates. So the, the, 
calcium, uh, the oxalates bind to calcium and then it's stored in your kidney. And that's gotcha. what the kidney stones are made of, right? They're calcium gotcha. oxalates. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, but not everyone's going to have problems with it. <laughs> and it's just another problem with anti-nutrients is they bind the nutrients. So if you're get, trying to get iron from spinach, you're not getting the iron. There's studies that show this, that if they have anti-nutrients that block the iron absorption, the spinach has. So wait, what? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. This is all just in the literature. This is stuff that no okay. one talks about. Mm-mm. All the nutrition schools, you mentioned your nutrition program. Mm-hmm. They do not tell you this. All they do is tell you eat more plants. Plants are magical. Plants are like this beautiful mystery miracle uh-huh, machine. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's part of the <laughs> mantra. Yeah, for it's sure. It's so funny. It's so funny because when you actually look at the science, it has no, it holds no candle to animal foods. Like the nutrition in animal foods is in a different category. It's complete. The proteins are complete. The amino acids are complete in animal foods. It's bioavailable. Our body can use it. And in plant foods, they are not complete. They do not have the complete amino acids, especially when we're talking about protein, and their nutrients are not bioavailable. Whatever you're seeing on the label or whatever online, you can look up the USDA information. That is not even accurate. Like for vitamin A, vitamin A is not, that's the precursor to retinol. Like you get real vitamin A from retinol from animal foods. Vitamin A in plant foods and carrots is a precursor. That's not the real, that's beta carotene. And so- some people are better than others at converting it, but a lot of people are not good at converting it. But even if still, it's still down in, I don't remember the percent. It was like six to 13%. Something's small that you convert that beta carotene to retinol. So I could go on and on about how plant foods just don't stack up when you actually look at nutrition science and human physiology and how we absorb them. And that they're just fallback foods Really, you know, like for all of history, we had them just to supplement our diet or, I mean, they're not problem. Yes, they, they do have some good stuff. Yeah, we can get some magnesium and we can get some vitamin C and there's certain things that they have more of than animal foods and it's, it's great. It's fine. But people act like they're this panacea and it's, it's just really not true. And I wrote an article about it, actually, I wanted to make a video about it, just kind of breaking it down like this is something actually yeah i did write an article it's called eating the rainbow something that someone randomly made up (laughs) because it is like we did not eat the rainbow that is that is something we made up since we had the whole foods grocery store that's funny right with like a hundred types of vegetables and fruits all colorful things we've never heard of right we just created these we never had whole foods grocery stores with hundreds and hundreds of fresh plant foods year round we i went to africa this year in february and saw how hunter gatherers lived they did not eat the rainbow (gasps) they did not eat the rainbow they ate what they could find in their environment and what they found was animal foods what they found was uh whatever animal they could hunt small or big a bird and and they're the ogs of intermittent fasters the hunter gatherers because exactly they would eat and then they didn't eat for a while and everybody was slim everyone was super healthy they Mm -hmm. still are super healthy they're way healthier than us which is funny because we look at them as like, oh, these poor people in Africa, you yeah, know, they're no, struggling to survive. No. They're like, we're not struggling to survive. We're healthier than you, idiots. We're- and, one th- 
Another thing they do is they're barefoot and their microbiome benefits from local soil. They eat from their local soil. They drink, you know, whatever. The, the cow that's there on the property is where they get the milk and make their own yogurt. I mean, think, the water. if people would just think about it. Oh, the water. The water is dirty. They drink brown water. That's what I thought. They drink water that like, it's so dry out there. So f- for one, there's no fields of vegetables or fruits right. at that's all. That's true. That's true. So they collect uh, in the baobab tree. There's a lot of these like nooks, sort of like a catch, right? Uh-huh. And, and so we went hunting with them. We spent three days with the Hadza. Uh, we went with another wow. group, we went with the Maasai. We went wow. to Uganda with the Batwa, the pygmies. We did all kinds of stuff. But specifically uh, when they to get their water, they had the one kid in the group climbed up the tree and he would use a baobab uh, shell, like take half of a pod and then scoop out this brown water and then everyone would drink it. And we saw how brown it was because we put it, we had a water bottle and we wow. put it in the water bottle and it was oh just brown. Gosh. And uh, more on the microbiome. So man, there's a guy, Herman Ponser. He's a, a Harvard PhD. Wow. He's so yes. cool. He, right. he is just one of these guys that buys into like the whole paradigm of we need to eat plants. Plants are magical. We need to eat whole grains. And like, this is, so he, he actually was booked on my podcast and then declined because he, <laughs> he, he heard, did research on you. <laughs> he heard what I had to say about the Hudza and all this type of stuff. So we, I'm also not saying that I know more than him about the Hadza because he's been studying the Hadza for a long time and maybe he's been with groups that eat more plant foods. But also the, there's a big story with the Hadza. They're pushed off their land and they don't have all the animals anymore. They can't hunt. All the animals in Africa are oh. in game reserves so that the government can make money. Oh, off them. wow. And tourists can see them, which is cool. But again, just another racket from the government. Same thing right. with the the Batwa, the pygmies in Uganda. They're pushed off their land for the gorillas. So now the gorillas, it costs $700 to visit the gorillas. And the pygmies are gotcha. left with no skills, no way gotcha. to get food, get meat anymore. They're starving. They're eating. We, we were there oh, in the wow. morning and their breakfast, they were eating corn stalks. Not corn. They're eating corn stalks. Like the kid had a machete and was just getting the stock and just chewing on the stock. It was it was insane. So this is because governments push them off their land right. and they can't hunt animals. Uh, we were with a lady who was 120 years old. We didn't see her birth certificate, but Stop her, it. She, there were six generations represented. Her youngest daughter is 90. So her and her youngest daughter were <laughs> dancing. They were oh dancing gosh. like maniacs, jumping up and down healthy and strong. She told us they used to eat, they used to live in the forest and they used to eat meat three times a day. Now they get meat on Christmas and Easter. That's the only time they can afford to eat meat. Are you kidding? So what and are they- they're, you know, the younger generations are suffering. So the older generations are all the healthy ones wow. because they grew up eating meat in the forest and the younger generations are sicker and sicker as you go down. The youngest ones there were the most sick. They had the distended bellies right. and all the problems. What the media shows us. Right, 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 right. And that's because they were pushed off their land. They can't get animal foods and they're just the the worst off out of them. But actually, most people in Africa that we saw were doing fine because they had enough food and they were they did have access to animal foods and they were healthier than Americans. So you could go into the cities and they were healthier 
until uh well then until a certain age they they do have some of these seed oils and other things kind of moving in and you could see that after a certain age uh some of the people were getting uh, really overweight but I, anyway i, huh. I kind of went I, into a lot of directions there but well, you go i wanted no. to talk about the microbiome that's what okay, i okay yeah so the hadza we went hunting with them the first day before we even went hunting with them they showed up with an animal they had a little deer a tick tick uh, they just brought it back, sliced it open immediately, had his dirty knife, obviously never been washed, put it out on a rock, and they just sliced it open. There was guts all over the knife, yellow, green. Wow. The guy found the liver, <laughs> cut the liver with that knife, and gave it to me. And so I just grabbed it. So I had this raw liver covered in guts and dirt, and I ate Stop it. Stop it. And it was great. It was oh great. It was delicious. It, um, I've never felt better since like, are I, you kidding? My gut micro, I think my gut microbiome got so much better since Africa I was eating. So I ate all kinds of weird stuff with them and I did not have one second of like feeling bad. Like, you know, people like, Oh, I had the stomach trouble. Or GI distress, right? Yeah. Nothing like my, it's like I had better gut health. So is E. Coli then in a, a postmodern invention? Well, I don't know. I mean, we, who knows? Maybe they, they separated the actual like. No, feces. you ate, no, you yeah. were eating. Well, we were eating. Yeah. It depends on how far it goes down the digestive tract, but yeah, I yeah, guess. That's yeah, that's true. That's well, true. With the Maasai, we did eat poop soup actually. Stop uh, it. They, yeah, we didn't know what we were getting into. They, they butchered a, a, a goat for us and they drank the blood. So the Maasai are famous for drinking the blood and the milk <laughs> oh of cows. My God. <laughs> we did it all. We got really primal. So they were drinking the the goat blood and then they made we they butchered the animal, they cooked it for us and we had this whole thing and we're eating the animal just, you know, an hour after it got cooked. And then they put all the guts and the colon and the rectum, everything. Everything was in this pot and the, some of the organs that they didn't want to eat like the lungs or some of the weird organs and guts. And they made this whole soup and they stewed it for a couple of hours. And it was brown and uh, we drank. They're like, oh, you have to drink it. This is like really helpful. It's like, it's like their medicine. And I think it's part of their gut microbiome. It is their medicine to have all this bacteria. I mean, really, if you're, it, it's kind of talking about the germ versus terrain theory, right? If you're talking about E. coli yeah. and all this type of mm -hmm. stuff, it's like, yeah, I'm no, okay. I'm not saying that E. coli is like good for people. I mean, there's certain strains of E. coli that everyone has and they are fine. But I'm not right. saying like everyone should just go and eat like a dog turd or something. I'm saying Thanks. That, Appreciate <laughs> that. Okay. But I'm saying that if you are healthy, then you are exposed to things all the time. I'm exposed to things. I, I haven't washed my hands like any differently in the past year and a half. I I don't oh. I don't wash my hands know. in general. I haven't used hand sanitizer once. Like, <laughs> I hope uh, not. I mean, because for one thing, you want to protect your microbiome. Absolutely. And that's why I think I'm so healthy. All the people I know who do this don't get sick. And it's, I mean, there, there's probably some nuance to the germ versus terrain theory that isn't all like completely perfect. But in general, I think it is correct that, that the terrain, the terrain side of things is that it's how healthy you are, the host. As a host, as a terrain, that's what matters. 
Hi, folks. Just a moment here to talk to you about something I've embarked on, and I sometimes weave it into and out of the conversations that I have on my podcast, and it's how I'm now a certified integrative nutrition health coach thanks to the wonderful professional staff at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. I chose the six-month program. My daughter is doing the year-long program. It's whichever program you prefer, but I'm putting the link in the show notes in the event that you want to embark on the same journey. You will invest both in your own life, and it'll help you professionally. You'll make money doing it. And you'll love seeing people reach their health goals. That's what a health coach does. Health coaching is the future. We have more people on medicine now than we've ever had before. We don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. And health coaches help these people, oftentimes, not always, sometimes get off their medicines, eat healthier, do things all in every part of their life to lead healthier lives. You will champion them and you will feel great doing it. I feel better just in the things I've learned at IIN. Check the show notes for the link. Okay, I use the example of the flu. All throughout my life, I used to get sick. Before I changed my diet, I used to get sick all the time. And I changed my diet, you know, around, I guess we'll call it six years ago. And I've not been sick since. But anyway, when I used to get sick back in the day, it was always around finals week. Oh. I went to UCLA and we had totally. three finals mm-hmm. per year. So it, was, it wasn't to do with the flu season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our three finals mm-hmm. were to do with when the UCLA trimester, whatever mm-hmm. quarter system mm-hmm. happened. And the only time I got sick was during that week when I was staying up all night. So, so I always got in college strep throat and pink eye during finals. And that's that that just shows you how it goes. Okay, mm-hmm. the flu season, the flu season is not there's just this time when the flu's just like out to get you. What happens is that's when you're it's it's at the end of winter when your vitamin D is the lowest, your immune wow. system's at your lowest, and that's, that's why there's a flu season because your vi- your immune system's at its lowest. There's not it's the flu is always going around. And the same thing when I was in college since I did have a good immune system pretty much, and I was you know, getting vitamin D and always outside playing sports, the flu season never got me because my immune system was strong. So while it was maybe you know more people were getting it in February when the flu season is, I wasn't getting it because I had enough m- immune health. But I wore down my immune system enough during finals week through stress, not sleeping, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my you know, even worse diet. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. that's when I got it. So that's, that's kind of my view of, like the germ versus terrain that people it's not just you get this germ and you're just you get the flu this is this is why people are asymptomatic with covid it's people have good they have you know this immunity they have natural mm-hmm. health that they it, it can go by like i've been to things i went to a barbecue and everyone there got it and they're like texting me like oh man we got covid and stuff i was like all right well i feel great you know, like I got you tested, got like I, I have nothing. I, you know, I just, nothing's happened wow. to me in the past year and a half. And I'm just saying that maybe I'm just an anomaly or uh, maybe because everyone I know mm. is in the same situation and they're all healthy. Maybe it's because we have a healthy immune system and body. And Though I, I too feel, and you know, of course, um, this is not medical advice, but that it's okay to get some things because our immune system's like a muscle and therefore 
that's why I don't get the flu shot. Cause if I get the flu, I'm going to be fine. You know, that's yeah. kind of, that's always been my philosophy. Now that is obviously I'm going to get arrested if I go to Australia or New Zealand or <laughs> other countries in the U S I'm sad, sorry to say is moving in that direction. Um, but our immune system is, uh, I just try to build mine up as much as I can. I do as much as I possibly can. You know, I am fighting some autoimmune conditions. I have the best of those that some doctors have ever seen. So just working on that. Okay, let's talk about sunshine just a minute then. We're going to talk about your diet too, but let's talk about sunshine. We are uh, recording this in September. Uh, Arkansas weather is beautiful. Are you in LA now? I'm in Austin. Okay, Austin. Okay. Well then, you know, hot, we're, we're, you know, mm-hmm. a little further uh, north and east of you, but um, we get the sunshine and we get the warm weather, but we do kind of have a darker December, January, February in the south right? I mean, we're not by the equator. So what are we going to do about trying, because I've been working so hard on my vitamin D, what are we going to do in those months when it's darker and shorter days to get that vitamin D? What will you do? Yeah. So there's still time. It's around solar noon. So you can look up solar noon and you're, you just Google like solar noon and it's a little, it's usually around noon. So you can find that when the sun's at its peak and okay. You can go out in the sun for that time. And usually you want it to be you're, you're, a good rule of thumb is you're, if your shadow, the length of your shadow is sh- the same height as you or less. Okay. So that, if your shadow is okay. longer, if your shadows, if you're six feet and your shadow is over six feet, that means you're not really getting a lot of vitamin D because oh, that means the sun okay. is at too much of an angle where okay, you're not getting it. Okay. Right. So, but if your shadow is less than your height, that okay. means it's very overhead. So you can still get it if, you know, if it's warm enough to go outside or even if it's not, just go out there. Uh, and you just have to do it closer to noon during the you do winter. about 10, 20 minutes. What do you think? I do. So my thing is I do 20 minutes on each side. Well, I, I you build yourself up to it. So I go out to a lawn chair and I take off my shirt and I read a book. And I, I'm up to about 22 minutes on each side. So I'm out there for 44 minutes because wow. I built that base tan. And you can see it. I have a, a, a great tan line. That's how you know you're wow. getting your vitamin D is you built up that base tan. Uh, what is your vitamin D level, do you think, if you had the, oh, the lab? Yeah, I haven't tested it recently. I, I'm guessing... Well, it could be up into the seventies, really. It could be wow. probably like sixties. Yeah, you, oh you, my! People want it above. You want it above forty, above For forty-seven. Sure. I think I f- something like the ancestral level is is like forty-seven above, something like that. People now are in the twenties, thirty, thirty. We have our our acceptable range is thirty. Yeah, below that's 20. way too low. Twenty, yeah, and then some people are in the teens. I work with mm-hmm. Dr. Gary with our Sapien Health stuff. He's got people in the single digits. And it's scary. I mean, this the correlation with um, COVID outcomes and vitamin D oh. is out of this world, striking. Yeah. No, yeah. no question there. No, no question. question. Again, nobody's told us about that. Nobody has said go get a vitamin D shot. Not they said at the all. other one. So then, yeah, vitamin D. So if you can't, if you're really stuck and you're really in a northern climate and you can't get your shadow is never going to be, you know, yeah. shorter than yourself. Then yes, look at some supplementation and take vitamin D with get an you know get a good form get it look online and get it with k2 vitamin k2 right, is a K2 cofactor okay so find a d3 k2 and use it but don't think that it's uh you know perfect 
And if you can get sun, always get the sun, right? And, and no don't. sunscreen, right? This no is sunscreen. our time to say no sunscreen. Well, yeah. So this is what I was talking about with the base tan. So this is how, this is why you don't need sunscreen. I'm not saying go get burnt. So for one, I said you build up to it, right? You get a few minutes. You start with three minutes if you're, if you're really fair. And then you can go five minutes. So then you build up. And why you don't need sunscreen, and this is how humans always did it, is in the spring when the sun wasn't as strong, right? It's You, you start building that base tan. So you're out there all day. We didn't have sunscreen for all of history. We didn't have skin cancer. This is so right. bogus. Yeah. Oh. So I've had some great interviews with some, some doctors about why sunscreen could even be worse because it's putting you it's it's blocking just that some of the uva forget the uva and uvb but you're you're blocking some of the rays but you're still getting some so you're not getting burnt but you're still getting some of these uvb i, I, I whatever I it is too. Mm -hmm. you're still getting some of them even though you have sunscreen you're not getting burnt so Sunscreen, also, there's recent studies. There's a big article about uh, recalls on sunscreens lately because they're cancerous. And they, uh -huh. uh, a ton of them were, re yeah, whatever. Retracted. And doctors now are really, because um, I was just recently seeing my physician and um, I do have vitiligo the, with the white spots, but I cover it just so that I'm not splotchy mm -hmm. here. And he said, well, are you wearing sunscreen during the day? And I went, no, because it will kill me. I'd rather have the the dark spots and the white spots on my face just from natural living. And he went, yeah, that's been a real problem for us. He goes, we had to throw away the doctor, all of our family sunscreens, because they'd mm -hmm. been told by the American Dermatological Nazi Society of the World or whatever, <laughs> you know, whoever their group is that they report to. And I was like, yeah, it's amazing what the real sun can do. It can help you. <laughs> I mean, no one wants to admit that. They've made the sun a villain. And it's our friend. Well, it's like 1984. I reread the book recently where everything is backwards and there's double speak or all this. It, it really is like that. <laughs> it really is. And it seems crazy to start talking about it and people will call you conspiracy theorists. But it's proven. I mean, it, it just proves it right there. If you're saying that the sun is bad, the sun has been around since the beginning of time. Right. And humans didn't have problems. Every, no. like every government intervention seems to be the opposite of what you should do. I kind of right. just make that a rule of thumb is I do the opposite of what they it, say. Uh, that's a Seinfeld episode when uh, George, the, the summer of George, George was uh, doing the opposite and every everything he did, he did the exact opposite. So uh, that's well, exactly what everyone needs to look at. You know, in Tanzania, when we got there, we went into the city. So where did you fly into? You flew we from into Austin? Arusha. Arusha. So what that's... It's it's well it's Kilimanjaro. So if oh, you were to okay. go hike Mount Kilimanjaro, you'd fly right. into Arusha okay. as one of the main airports. So it's a, it's a city there, and the government, the leader, whatever the president, decided to not do COVID. He didn't say. He just said, "Nah, we're not going to do it." I got there in mid February. No COVID. No mass. No one knew what COVID was. They're just doing great. Everyone's doing fine. It was uh -huh. so interesting. No one believes me. I tell this to people here in the U.S. and they're like, oh, 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 but, but, oh. I'm like, no, I went to the hospitals. They were empty because we were out there filming. There, there was no, we went to COVID. They do have COVID clinics for tourists so they can get on the plane because you have to do the test. Right. Empty. Right. Zero people in the clinics. We went to hospitals. Zero people in the hospital. There are people in vans. There was like a 12 person van. They have 20 people in these vans jammed in there. All this was all in February during supposed COVID.
I don't that, know. Well, think just about an observation. The, right. And think about all the tenants we're talking about. Their vitamin D levels are great. Their microbiomes are They're just eating awesome. Real food. They're eating real food. They don't get packaged oatmeal bars from the middle of the grocery store that is death in a package. I mean, it kills everything about you. Mm. Um, I saw a meme today that I thought was great. I meant to screenshot it, but it said, it may have been on one of the fasting websites, but it said, Eat all, eat anything that was met, that was oh, served before nineteen hundred. Did you have yeah. you seen that? Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a great rule of thumb because before nineteen hundred, their sugar was a rarity, and we didn't have the seed oils, and you didn't have all the packaged foods. I mean, of course, there was a, a little bit. Uh, I can't even imagine what there. I, I can't. I don't even like, know if there was. I mean, I think you I just made so. bread at home. I don't you think did. there was. You did. Pack, yeah. Right. You did. And it wasn't until, I mean, and that's where we're thankful for the industrial revolution, but we've, we've industrialized way too much of what we're putting uh, the food to our mouth. Okay. Let's talk about your diet transformation. Let's talk about pre uh, meat eating and then how you live now. Okay. So with my parents, they were eating, we grew up on the food pyramid. So we were doing all the right things. I right? did we, too. Right. Yeah, we weren't eating at McDonald's. It wasn't like, oh, oh yeah, like of course you guys were eating junk food. Like, no, we okay. we couldn't afford that. Like we my dad or he pretending he couldn't afford it. <laughs> he was he was always like, Yeah, right. We're like we're not gonna go pay for food. We have perfectly good food at home. Right. right? We, so we, we were still doing say home, that here, right? <laughs> home cooked meals, right. food pyramid, low fat milk, uh pasta. Lean oh, lots chicken. of popcorn. I ate lots of popcorn oatmeal for my snack. for breakfast. Yeah, oh, oatmeal, yeah. Cheerios. Mm -hmm. It's We did all the right things, all the things with the heart-healthy labels on it. And guess what happened? Well, they got chronic disease right. and they're gone. And they, right. they were not obese either. This is the thing is I hate this dad bod thing. People are like, oh, dad bod. That's so like, that's so funny. They're like, oh, like girls are like, yeah, that's sexy. The dad bod. It's a new look. <laughs> Like, are you kidding? That's what, that's diabetes. Like you- Right, that's exactly have, what it is. Having a belly, that belly is a sign of insulin resistance. That's a sign that you have diabetes, that pooch right and, there. And one more thing, when man, men get man boobs, it's a sign of gluten consumption because gluten will trigger estrogen, estrogen. in men. And so Absolutely. men with man boobs in the tummy, they need to go to, they, well, not- don't even go to the doctor. Just quit just eating the eat crap. Meat. Just get, just <laughs> right. change your diet. Okay, right. so I'll get there. So yes, yeah, so I was eating that food pyramid type of diet. <clears throat> even into my twenties, I was still doing that. I remember making you know meals at home. Still, I was like saving money. You know, Me too. I was still right. active, but I still was puffy. I was okay. I was a size thirty-two waist. Now I'm a twenty-eight waist. What? I didn't do what? anything. Are you in eighth grade? I mean, <laughs> you're thin. I, I 28 ways and I have never felt better and I wow. look better than I did in my 20s. I'm 38 wow. now. Uh, my whole body composition changed. I, yeah, I've, I've- How tall a guy are you? I'm five ten and a half. Wow, that's, a, that's slim. I'm five ten. yeah. But I mean, this is just what normal, people think that I'm like the skinniest guy around. I'm like, no, I'm just a normal person. This is what mm -hmm. humans should look like. Like I was this over in Africa. This is what we looked like, right? 50 yeah, years I was ago, over this in is Africa. what we looked like. Mm -hmm. This is what they all look like. They all look like me. You can look up a picture of me. I'm not, I mean, I'm thin, but like, I, I don't look emaciated. I, I carry no. muscle around. No, so, you look very normal. Yeah, so 
I was eating the same low fat, like whatever diet they were telling me to eat, made a few changes. I just, just stopped eating like the processed foods. I just stopped eating. It wasn't even processed foods. It wasn't like I was buying Doritos. It was just stopped eating the pasta and the bread. And all I did was I just added in sauteed mushrooms and onions. Yeah. It was like really, and I started eating just more animal foods and more fat. So I embraced animal protein and fat and I cut out just like breads and pastas and boom, four pant sizes went away. All my inflammation in my body went away. My allergies went away. Yeah. Joint pain went away. Heartburn went away. Everything. I, I never didn't get sick anymore. This is why I'm so into this stuff and why I'm, I've been banging on about this for years on social media every day, doing all the podcasts, making the film. It's so simple. All I did was replace one thing with another thing that I liked more. I just got to eat more meat. Yeah, I got to eat more sauteed onions and mushrooms and avocado and it's delicious. And oh, it's so good. Every And everything changed. Everything changed. Um, looking at some of your social media and stuff, which is great. Everyone needs to follow you. Um, you don't ever put a picture. There's not a picture of a, a chicken or a turkey. He, when you talk about meats, so do you call the chicken and the turkey, poultry, do you put that under the same umbrella or is it as important? That's a good question. Because, yeah, I, I don't think that chicken and, and turkey are particularly nutritious. They're fine. It's okay absolutely fine but it's not a health food like red meat yeah. is red meat has That's interesting all the amino acids and vitamins and minerals uh that pretty much you need and chicken doesn't have as many and yeah i just and i don't think chicken and pork are particularly well raised it's a bit hard it's really hard to actually find good stuff yeah. because most chicken and pork is raised in like giant warehouses yeah. You know, it's like factory farm, but it's like the really bad type of factory farming. Right. I actually have a somewhat controversial opinion on cows and and feedlots because, you know, most oh wait, all cows spend most of their life on the grass, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, some most of them, actually, the vast majority do go to feed yards and they're fattened up quickly and they're fed sort of not so great things. But I will push back on the, that that's that bad. I think it's it's less than ideal, obviously. And actually, my, my whole business is about the opposite of that. <laughs> I I have a grass-fed yeah. and grass-finished regenerative meat company called Nose to Tail. So I should be out here saying you should only eat grass-fed, <laughs> grass-finished, right. regenerative, buy from me. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can eat, a, eat red meat from the grocery store and it's perfectly healthy. Just eat red meat. Just eat so red tell meat. So me, tell me about a typical day and what you might like at lunch. Right. Or are you going to pick up a tomahawk steak and eat it? Uh, oh, okay. So it's pretty simple. I eat two meals a day. I eat in a smaller eating window. I don't go as small as you the four hours. I eat in a seven-hour window. I eat That's lunch. Right. And I eat more of like a breakfast-oriented lunch. I'm eating three eggs, uh, beef sausage, avocado, uh, yogurt, like I get either like a yogurt or like even a Greek yogurt if I want more protein ratio and uh, some sauerkraut. So that's my lunch. I, I can't okay. not eat it. Like I keep eating it. It's it's eggs, beef sausage, avocado, sauerkraut, yogurt. That sounds delicious. So good. And I have this ranch seasoning I do at Nose the Tail that's so good. It's like instead of ranch, which is gross soybean oil trash, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just yogurt and my ranch seasoning. That's it. There's no sugar. There's nothing in it. So wait, where do I get your ranch seasoning? At nosetail.org. 
Spell I'm that telling word. you, I can send you some. I think it's the best thing of all time. I eat it every single day. Okay, spell the website name. Nose to tail.org. Nose to tail. Okay. Nose okay. to tail.org. Uh, so then that's what I do. And then I have dinner. So I just, you know, it's the two meals. I, I work out, you know, a few times a week in the gym. I also play sports on the weekends, but it's not like I'm constantly in the gym or anything. Right. Anyway, I don't think you even need to do that. I'm not a fan of jogging either. I'll throw that in there. I think you want to sprint, you want to lift some weights, you want to do some in- high intensity stuff. I think the low and slow, getting on the treadmill, that's that's just not that effective, not that useful. Uh, right. Walking's great. I would right. absolutely encourage people to walk, walk after every meal, but um, get just sunlight. jogging. Again, yeah. get sunlight. So walk, walk every day, sprint, lift weights, do whatever type of sports, do yoga, do whatever, but just this low and slow cardio for 45 minutes is for the birds. <laughs> I think it's well, terrible. Yeah, but also it was in the 80s when we were um, – everybody was trying to get to wall street and they were burning the midnight oil and, you know, cortisol levels were through the roof and our adrenals were shot. That's when everybody remember, well, Jane Fonda had her uh, aerobics, you know, we, whatever that, I forgot what that was even called, but I did it. Yeah. I did them all. I mean, I've done them all because everybody was doing them. It was this, 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 this. And then we realized, you know what? There were a lot of fat people still on the treadmill. Because also the the signals from the body, the body wants to protect us that are you going to war? I mean, what do we need to do here? And so the fat people, the I still see fat people on the treadmill and I just want to go over and go, sweetie, go outside, <laughs> you know, do go get something some sunlight. Else. Right, I've do something else. I've been in the same gyms. Like I just use my apartment complex gym because I just do simple stuff. I see the same people on the treadmill all year round, the same weight. And they don't change. Getting bigger. Yeah, getting bigger. I just want to tell them, it's what you eat. 80% is what you eat. 90% maybe. Like, and yeah. you need to just like do something more intense. Tell your muscles to get stronger. You yeah. know, don't tell them, don't tell them that I'm gonna do the same slow jog every day. That doesn't help your body at all. Yeah, and don't do the same thing every day. I mean, that's another thing as a health coach, I tell people just make that I say the same thing also with intermittent fasting. We want um, that metabolic flexibility so that we're, you know, fat burning, not sugar burning and that our body. So I, I may have a four hour window yesterday. I probably had a two hour window today. I may have a six hour window. You know, I just keep my body guessing and also oh, yeah. we're working out today. I did some yoga. I have hills in my neighborhood. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Little Rock is very hilly and it's tough, you know, Hit but the then, hills, yeah, yoga. but then tomorrow I may do something else. It's just, it, it was it, again that 80s and 90s mindset was we were going to do this every day and eat this and have these calories every day. <laughs> and don't people know now that didn't work? Yeah. You know, our body does. Again, if you think about our ancestors, they didn't know what, you know, if, where the saber tooth tiger was and how to prepare for it. And then there was a few days where they didn't eat at all and yeah, they were fine. I love that. And yeah, our, our bodies work like batteries. Like our bodies are like this for a reason. We carry around fat for a reason. It's because we can use it as a fuel source whenever we need it. Right. We didn't carry around uh, trail mix and honey uh, isn't, granola isn't bars. Isn't that silly? Do you know uh, how many years that I would eat all day because somebody told me that I had to keep the embers of my metabolism burning? <laughs> I mean, it's and a you great know marketing scheme. Great it was, marketing it was brilliant. It was brilliant. But also I was hungrier then. The thing about intermittent fasting and the way I eat, I'm not hungry until it's time to eat. 
and then I, I then I eat and then I'm done. I mean, it's it's a beautiful. shock. It's a it's shock a though, yes. because we're told we were all told something different. To I kept food in my purse all the time mm-hmm. in the event that I might be hungry. Hey, people, I want to tell you something. Hunger is not an emergency. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, well, it is if you're a sugar burner. <laughs> no, that's well, I will say that. That's true. When anyone makes the switch from um, you want to go from sugar burning to fat burning, which is where you are every day, where yeah. I am every day, those first couple of weeks are hard of making yeah. the switch. Because and also we're creatures of habit, and our body's yeah. going. Wait a minute, you used to feed me at this time and this time and this time and this time. Mm. Where, you know, where are the M and M's? You know, where's the juice? Okay, so what do you do about dessert? Oh, okay. So I didn't do dinner. So dinner, I oh, just cook right. a yeah. steak. You really do have a steak every day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I try to eat. I make sure I get enough red meat every day. That's before, you know, everyone's into this. Oh, I can't eat. I only can eat it once a week. I'm making sure I get it every day. That's where the foundation of my nutrition comes from. So I'll cook a steak. There's all different ways to make it affordable, too. You could get ground beef. You can do all kinds of stuff. But I am in there with steak every night red meat. Yeah. I'll throw in some salmon, you know, maybe I'll do a surf and turf, but I'm eating a big steak with sauteed mushrooms and onions and, you know, maybe some other sides. I eat some like smoked oysters, stuff yeah, like that. Maybe some, for um, you. uh, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't get easier and it doesn't get old too. I just love how every day I'm, I'm awesome. looking forward to it. That's awesome. In fact, when I knew we were, I was watching some of your social media, I have some grass fed, you know, food that I get from the farmers, my, my dealer for my uh, meats and stuff. And so I pulled Mm -hmm. it out of the freezer last night. I'm doing a big, I'm going to do breakfast tonight with eggs and bacon and avocados and um, hamburger patties. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I put all the things on it. So, um, so then what do you do for dessert? Do you do some fresh berries Uh, and whipped cream or anything? You know, so I do dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I do. Dark, I don't always. I I kind of got out of the habit. Even it's one of those habits that people mm-hmm. have, and you Definitely. realize once you make the changes in your diet, you don't really need it anymore. Actually, you know, a lot of people tell me they they reach out to me and they say they stop drinking after they cut out sugars and grains. They say I don't drink alcohol anymore. They right. said, hey, I just don't crave it anymore. Oh, and mm-hmm. a lot of people have said that they're like they used to have alcohol problems and they're they're like they went away. Isn't that amazing? So maybe it's an amino acid deficiency that has somebody craving some of going for those other things. I think it's part of it. Yeah, there is even a known gene where you have a deficiency and that a lot of alcoholics have this gene. And there's also, I think it's a gut microbiome part too, is your, I mean, there's many things, but this is one of my ideas is that, you know, that craving that, that, you know, most alcohol is like for like ferments into sugar. It's like our beer. It's like yeah. if you stop eating carbs and sugar, you just don't have those gut bacteria speaking to you saying, eat me, eat me. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand is the communication with the microbiome, that the trillions of bacteria that we have. We have good bacteria, we have bad bacteria. We know people all think bacteria is bad, but our bacteria and our guts that are saying feed me, feed me, are sugar carbs, all the, anything white on your plate, you know, typically. And they, then you just fed it. So there's a period where you're like high from it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the hit and then you come down and you're like Jones and for more. And then, so that's another switch. When you make go from sugar burner, to fat burner, when you make that switch, it's also the switch of your microbiome go, wait, whoa, whoa. 
And then once you, once you replace it with the other things and meats and do you eat cheese at all then? I do. I do. I, I've been playing around with all different stuff. So I like to get, I think raw cheese is good. If you pasteurize it, it kind of gets rid of the enzymes that you need. So a lot of people who are lactose intolerant find they can eat raw dairy, or you can also get goat dairy, sheep yeah. dairy, or mm-hmm. A2 milk. So the, the goat and the A2 cow have different proteins actually. So you okay. can uh, tolerate yeah. them. So better. that's it. You're feeding the good stuff and then it replaces it. It really, and that's kind of one thing we say as health coaches is we're, we try to crowd out the crap, you know, mm-hmm. the bad media you consume, the whatever, but it's also crowd some of that out and then your body does crave the other. I cannot believe we've been talking 56 minutes. I, I still have <laughs> hours worth to ask you. This is fascinating. I'll send everybody. You need to go to all your social media. And when will the film come out? Oh, man. Is there a release date? Yeah, we don't know. It's going to be a while. It's just a long, slow journey. Next year. Yeah. You've been saying that probably for five years. Next year. (laughs) Yeah. Next year. Well, what you do, it's good work, dude. Keep doing it. Keep preaching. Here's one thing I want to end with. There's um, a chiropractor I'm going to tag after I do this who um, changed her life. She was 30 pound, 40 pounds overweight, maybe um, facial hair, acne, because she was a vegan mm-hmm. and she ate all the soy and all the gluten and all the crap. Uh-oh. She was trying to get pregnant. She was, tr- you know, all these things. She switched completely to a carnivore diet. She's the size of this pen I'm holding. Uh-huh. You know, she is skinny as a 15 year old. She's a tall, thin woman, but it just shows that it's not the panacea you people think it is by having a vegan diet. I mean, I can't say that enough. And you, you've said it oh, a bunch, and I absolutely. know you can't say it enough. I've countless, countless people have reached out to me with the same story. I've interviewed some of the more famous vegans, like Lear Keith wrote a book called The Vegetarian Myth. I interviewed her. I'd go listen to that (gasps) podcast. Really great. She had permanent damage actually from her vegan diet turned around. (gasps) I've I've interviewed some of the famous YouTube personalities that went off uh, the vegan diet and reclaimed their health. Even I even interviewed Tim Sheaf, who was supposed to be in the Game Changers, that stupid vegan film. He dropped out because he started eating meat again and realized how wrong he was. And he... Uh, dropped out of the film and they kept like trying to get him back in. And he's like, no huh? guys, like I'm not in, like I'm, I'm, eating I'm not steak. in your cult. I'm not yeah. in your cult. It's like, you I know who changed his look when Bill Clinton went vegan. He looked terrible. He was gaunt, lost the color in his face. And, I mean, and just big. Yeah, I know. He's just yeah. like more just rounded out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And didn't look healthy. I mean, yeah. Something about carnivorous foods. So great job. Keep doing it. Keep preaching, yo. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.